Come on, somebody, do it a little more. It's never going to be enough to thank him for that which he did. But we want to thank him all the same. In our whole little way, somebody do it a little more this morning. Do it a little more this morning. Do it a little more this morning. Our God deserves everything, our best. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. Glory be to the Lamb of God. Join me this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'll read from verse 12 to 14. This is a brief sharing this morning as we remind ourselves of what he did on the cross. And as we remind ourselves of what God did so that our faith can be properly anchored. If you care for a title for this a brief sharing, a title, The Elasticity of Hope. The Elasticity of Hope. It's my prayer this morning uh, that someone here in this place, someone watching on the internet, uh, uh, that your hope shall be restored this morning. But much more than hope being restored, it's my prayer that God will reveal to you how elastic your hope is. How inexhaustible your hope is. Now that when we lean on the elasticity of the hope that we derive from his resurrection, just like he said, to him that believes, all things are possible. That's what I'm examining this morning. And I wanted to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'll read from verse 12 to 14. And I'm also going to read from Romans chapter 4. But before I do that, let's read from 1 Corinthians 15. And verse number 12 to 14. Uh, now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if, there's, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Paul, writing this letter to the church at Corinth, it was in response to certain agitation. It was in response to their unbelief and doubt. They chose, some of them, you know, started to propagate the fact that uh, perhaps Christ was not actually a uh, uh, reason. He didn't rise from the dead. Uh, some people said his disciples packaged the whole thing. He smuggled him out. But you saw in the first presentation this morning how the king put soldiers right there on the tomb to the end that no one will pull a fast one on the Roman government. So it, was, it wasn't, they, they, they weren't going to take chances with his body. Because they knew that he said, that pull down this temple, and in three days I'm going to pull it together. And was talking about his body. So they knew something, maybe, many people have promised that they will rise from the dead in time past, but they went the way of the wind. You know, so they, 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 they weren't really sure of what was going to happen. So they put the soldiers there. No fly must pass, you know, beyond this point. 
So it wasn't a gimmick. The disciples did not make it up. Paul writing here, he said, if Christ did not rise from the dead, he said, our preaching is empty. And also your faith is empty. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm bold to tell you this morning that Christ rose from the dead. Oh, I remember. I remember reading through the scriptures. And then you, 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 you feel the disciples when they went through the persecution. You feel James, the brother of the Lord. I don't know about you, but if you grew up in the same house with one guy, and all of a sudden, he started to pull a fast one on everybody, and started saying he's the Messiah, and then he went through the street of your city, and was doing you know, crazy stuff, healing people and doing all that. You're going to call your brother aside and say, bros, come. What's this all about? You know, what happened to you? I'm sure that must have been the experience of James, his brother. Now, can you imagine how James moved from that point to the point where he was willing to lay down his life, even in the face of persecution, for what he believed? It meant simply that the, the resurrection of Christ could not have been a fallacy. It could not, it could not, it could not have been a joke. Because it's, it's, if all the disciples were deceived, his brother grew up in the same house with him. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Uh, in Acts of the Apostle, you saw Stephen. Stephen, the martyr, was stoned. If they didn't see the resurrected Lord, nobody risks his life for a lie. So one, two, three, they started killing them. But he said, John was writing in the first epistle of John. He said, but we cannot but testify to the things that we have seen, that we have taught, that our hands have handled of the word of life. And he said, this will write unto you. Ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection of Christ was not made up. The Bible says, Paul writing here, if it was made up, then our faith is fake. Our faith is fake. Many prophets said they were going to rise from the dead. Stephen doubted him until he saw the hand. That was not a figment of somebody's imagination. That's the anchor for our hope. That's the anchor for our hope. That's the anchor for our hope. If you're here this morning and you're, you know, going through a phase and you're doubting, is Christ, you know, really, truly alive? Is there a cause to celebrate at Easter? Are we really having a true experience? Is this all just what had been written by some, you know, few unlearned folks who could believe anything? Because they, they don't have a lot upstairs. And they don't have the power of criticism. They, they, they don't have, you know, that's what some people think. <laughs> so those folks are, they're not learned. You know, they don't know much. So they could believe anything. I don't know why I'm, you know, going this direction this morning. This is supposed to be a, a brief sharing, but I'm, 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 I'm seriously trying to make it brief. But I need to say this this morning to someone here. I don't know what you're going through right now. You may be going through a phase, and right now you're doubting whether God is truly still with you. And I've come to tell you this morning that God is still with you. God is still with you. Our hope is truly elastic when it is anchored on his resurrection. When Christ hung on the cross and shed his blood for you and I, 
our sins were, you know, were forgiven. We, we had redemption. But when he rose on the third day, our hope became elastic. It means at that point, that material point in history, that for everyone that will follow Christ, for everyone who will be a true believer in Jesus, nothing should be able to bring an end to our hope. I read first, I mean, I read Romans chapter 4 and verse number 17, an account of the father of faith, Abraham. Now, Abraham walked with God by faith to the end that when he was far past menopause, and I mean, his wife was far past menopause, he was, the Bible says he didn't consider his body that was weak and all that. He, he, he was able to get a child from God and he walked with God to the point that even when God would demand this child, even in his old age, when he knew it, he could never have produced any more children. Yet, he was willing to walk that same route that Jesus walked via De La Rosa, the path of pain, to lay down his son. Now, that, 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 that's the man in the Bible. I claim to be the man of faith. I want, I want to read an account, the New Testament account of his life in Romans chapter 4. Said uh, from verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That was a promise that God made to Abraham. In the presence of him, of, of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was written or what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, because his faith had been anchored on Christ, even though an Old Testament saint. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, because sometimes, a lot of the time, you're tempted to look at your body, that's the closest thing, that's what you can touch, that's what you can relate with. The Bible says he did not consider his own body. Already dead. There's anyone under the influence of this service today, you're battling a dead organ. I speak life to that organ right now. I speak life to that organ right now. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. That power is resting upon that organ right now. In the precious name of Jesus. Say it better, amen, if you believe it. Bible says he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What he had promised, he was also able to to perform. That's, that's, that's what brings faith alive. Hebrews 11, when you read verse 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means faith becomes faith. When it's substance, it's the substance of hope. That means there has to be hope before there can be faith. For faith to be valid, there has to be something that only exists in the realm of the unseen. 
that we want to bring to the realm of the scene. And the only thing that guarantees that something that exists in the realm of the unseen, something that looked buried and packed away, something that looked like it, it can never happen, it will never happen, the only thing that guarantees that that will become possible happened to be the resurrection of our Lord and King, our Savior, our soon-coming King, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's the only thing that hankers our faith. If that is taken out of Christianity, Paul said our preaching is empty. There's no substance to it. The real substance of Christianity is that we have a Messiah who said pull down this temple and in three days, in three days, in three days, whoever can pull off a resurrection like that deserves to be my king. He deserves to be my savior. He deserves to be my Messiah. Say amen, somebody. Amen. I, can, I can take a cue from that and believe that if he can pull off resurrection, then he can pull off any kind of resurrection in my life. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a round up this sharing this morning, I also want us to understand that Christ experienced three wonderful, eventful, historic Days, And because he experienced it, everyone that will live on the face of this earth will also experience those three days. The Old Testament saint Abraham experienced it. Christ experienced it. You and I will experience it. In the life of everyone, whether believer or not, but if you are a believer, it will make you to experience the last day. But in the life of everyone, you will always see the Friday. It's a bad Friday, even though we call it the Good Friday. It's a painful Friday, even though we call it Good Friday. We call it Good Friday in faith, knowing that if not for that Friday, there will not be Sunday. Are you still with me today? So we have the Good Friday. We have the Saturday, and we have the Sunday. Can I paint a picture very quickly? That in your life and in my life, we will always have that first day of the three, which is the day of pain. Is somebody going through pain today? I want to assure you, like you've read in your Bible, that Christ also witnessed, experienced the same pain. Friday was a day of pain. The day that he died. The day of humiliation. Is somebody going through humiliation right now? Because he went through it, sometimes we will also go through it. Friday was a bad day that we call a good day. Friday happened to be the day of disdain. The day where people talk to you, to you, you know, straight to your face and bring accusation that are unfounded. And then you feel like, what's happening to me? When you go through such a day, then you remember that Christ the sinless son of God also went through the same thing. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me this morning? Friday is a terrible day. It's a terrible day. The first of the three peculiar days in the life of every man. Friday is a day of pain, a day of sorrow. It's a day 
when the Bible says that that you 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 smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Perhaps something is scattering in your life right now. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. That's the day of sorrow. Everything will, you know, go elter skelter. People around you will go hair wall. And they just, you know, people will desert you. They will run away from you. Friday is the day that your friends, your closest buddies, will deny you. And they will do it within a few hours. Friday is that day when everyone around you will refuse to reply your email. Yeah, Friday is that day when your text messages will not mean anything to some people. And I don't know whether you're going through Friday now. But somebody may be asking, uh, 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 Pastor, Jesus went through his Friday. How did he survive it? How come he fulfilled the will of God even in pain, even when he went through his Friday? And I want to, before I move to Saturday, I want to suggest to you how, what to do when you're going through your Friday. On Friday, Jesus found his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Friday, what you do on Friday is that you embrace his presence in prayer. If somebody going through stuff here today, don't just say this is what pastors love to say, pray. How else do we engage his presence if not in the place of prayer? Jesus did not go alone. He called for his closest guys. Pray along with me. Challenge them at one point. How come you cannot stay with me just for one hour? Friday is the time that you call for prayer. So you call, you, you call your pastor, you call, you know, a friend, you speak to someone, you know, you, you, you call, let, let, let heavens open over my life. This pain is much. That's Friday. That's Friday. We engage God in prayer. Are you going through pain? I've often in counseling heard people say, the pain is so much, I can't even pray. When you cannot pray, just say, Jesus, help me. When you cannot pray, say, Father. Father, have your way. Jesus agonized. He could not even alter real words. But the Bible says he was sweating. And the sweat was as thick as blood. That's Friday. That's what happens on Friday. Because on Friday, pain, as an instructor, visits. And when pain visits, what do you do? You take instruction. You take instruction. And the, the, the major instruction of pain is to ask for help. Is to ask for, have you seen somebody in, the, in an accident scene before? They cry for help. Am I saying the truth? Because the pain is heavy. The psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, it says, lead me to the rock that is higher than high. Friday is the day that you have to be led to the rock that is higher than you. And you ask for help in the place of prayer. You ask for help in the place of prayer. You call for prayer cover. You call. You challenge people around you. So take hold with you and face what you're going through. That's, that's Friday. That's Friday. And everyone will experience Friday. Everyone will experience Friday. You may not be in Friday as I speak. And if you're in Friday as I speak, I have just only one recommendation for you. And that is to pray. In Mark 14, when you read verse 35 and 36, Jesus' Bible says, fell, uh, fell face down on the ground and prayed that if possible, he would not have to suffer the pain ahead of him. He prayed, Have a father. 
I know you can do all things. And I don't want to have to drink this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, I want your will, not mine, to be done. That's Friday. That's the agony of Friday. That's the agony of Friday. Friday is when you say, Lord, have your way. But this is difficult. Have your way. Uh, but this is, this, is, this is bad. Have your way. But this is not palatable. Now, all of us also will experience Saturday. Saturday is a day of confusion. They started to second guess everything that he said. He was in the grave. It looked like a bad situation. Sealed. The faith, the faith seemed to have been sealed up. The disciples started to second guess themselves. I remember, you know, just thinking about it, you, you think about someone saying, maybe we should have locked him up in the upper room. If we didn't allow him to go to Gethsemane, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Uh, Peter must have been thinking, but he told us it was going to be Judas. We should have handcuffed Judas and locked him up. If there was nobody to betray him, then maybe Friday wouldn't have happened. Is that not what we do a lot of the time? We look for somebody to blame. When we can't find anybody to blame, we start to blame ourselves. Oh, have you seen somebody before involved in a tragedy? And then maybe the spouse or the friend, they, started, they, they will start to say, perhaps I should not have given him money to buy that ticket. Or maybe I should not have borrowed him my car. Then this crash wouldn't have happened. Or somebody may say, oh, why did I go to work that day? If I wasn't at work that day, I wouldn't have taken that transaction and this thing wouldn't have gone bad and this business wouldn't have crashed or I wouldn't have lost my job. They will start to think of all kinds of things. How come my car started that morning? It shouldn't have started. Because if my car stopped, then maybe I wouldn't have been at work. I would have missed that customer and then we wouldn't have, you know, had to lose this amount of money. Am I saying the truth this morning? Yeah. That was what happened to the disciples on Saturday. They were thinking of all sorts of things. How come? Why did we allow this? You know, all kinds of things. Saturday is a day of confusion. You start to second guess yourself. And you, you start to talk about how you could have done something better. How you could have done something better. You know, a child is sick. And then the mother starts to think of how unorganized she is. How she brought the sickness into the house. And you know all that. Instead of facing the devil, and speak to the devil. And remember the promise of God concerning divine health. And declare over your child that this one also will come to pass. He said, by his stripes, we have been healed. Saturday is the day to remember God's promises. It's a day of confusion. But what do you do when you are confused? Remember his promises. Remember his promises. That's what we do on Saturday. Remember his promises. Remember his promises. Saturday, the day of regret, the day of fear and confusion. But at that point, also, we need to remember that all through the scriptures, we have over 7,000 promises in the word of God. And there's, there's, there has to be one or two or three or four that will fit your Saturday. There has to be. There has to be one that will fit your Saturday. There has to be one. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20. For all the promises of God finds their yes in Jesus Christ. That's what one translation says. All the promises of God are yea and amen in him. 
God promises in Isaiah 61 verse 3. said, I will appoint to them that mourn in Zion. I will give beauty for ashes, the hall of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise uh, for the spirit of heaviness. I can go on and on and on. 7,000 promises in the scriptures. Isaiah 43, when you read verse uh, 2 and 3, when you go through the deep waters uh, and, and great trouble, I will be with you. That's the time. Saturday is the time to remember that. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. That's for Saturday. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. That's for Saturday. The flames will not consume you. Somebody say an amen to that. That's for Saturday. That's for Saturday. We have more than enough promises in the word of God. Tell amen for your Saturday and my Saturday. Because somehow, somehow, on Saturday Jesus was buried. It looked like the case was closed. The disciples were in confusion. The flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God and Savior. That's for Saturday. That's all you find all through the book of Isaiah, the book of Psalms. You read all through the New Testament. You find many promises, 7,000 of them. Like I said, one, two, or three should at least fit your Saturday. Lastly, this morning, every one of us will experience, every one of us will experience the day, Sunday, the day of joy, the day of victory. Say amen, somebody. Sunday is a day of joy. It's a day of victory. The day that our hope is finally rekindled. And it's not only rekindled, but it became elastic. <laughs> it became elastic. It became elastic. It became elastic. That, that's, 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 that's the day of joy. And what do you do on the day of joy? You engage his power. You engage his power. You engage his power. John 11 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live again. I give them eternal life for believing in me, that, uh, and they will never perish. That's what the scripture says. That is for Sunday. It's a day to engage his power. The Bible talks about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So that power will quicken, make alive my mortal body when I engage it. That's what to do on the third day. That's what to do on the third day. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul writing, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. Becoming even into the likeness of his death. He, he said, it's the power of his resurrection. That power is reserved for your Sunday. That's what provokes your hope to become elastic. That's what releases the joy that we experience on Sunday. If you don't remember anything I said this morning, remember the three Ps. The first day is prayer. Are you still with me? I said, are you stay with me? On the second day, his promises. And then on Sunday, we'll focus on his power. 
That's how we move. Because these days will come. Isaiah 43 days was talking about when you go through fire. Not if you go through fire. When you go through fire. And whenever you say when, it means that it will come. Just like Jesus said, when you pray. He didn't say if you pray. In the Lord's Prayer. When you pray means that you should pray. <laughs> when you go through fire. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. God specializes in turning crucifixion to resurrection. So if you're going through a phase of crucifixion, this morning, I want you to know that God is a special, special you know, specialist in turning crucifixion into resurrection. And death, according to Easter, death will never be the end. Death will never be the end. Death is not the end. It's never the end. It wasn't the end for Jesus. It's not going to be the end for me. It's not going to be the end for you. So if anything is dead around you, I want you to know this morning that death is not the end. Death is not the end. Our hope in Christ is elastic. Lastly, as I pray this morning, if there's someone here this morning, you worry. There's, there's a lot of worry in your heart. You know what? Worry is a form of atheism. Atheism. You know, it's, it's just a form. Uh, what, why do we worry? We worry as believers when we believe that there's God, but we stop there. <laughs> do you know when I worry? I worry when I doubt his wisdom and his promises. Because sometimes it looks like, God, I know you are God, but the way this thing is going, I don't think there's wisdom there. It's better it's done this way. If it's done this way, maybe it will be better. That's why you worry. So you believe that there's God. You believe in his power. See, my daughter will never say I'm not a dad. But sometimes we have conversations. It may be as simple as a conversation over chocolate. And I'm saying, no, it's too late now. You can't you can have a bar of chocolate at 8 p.m. Tomorrow is another day. And he's saying, Daddy. And I say, no. I'm standing on the same spot and I'm insisting. That's what happens. We worry when we think about his promises and we're thinking. We worry when we second guess his wisdom. A lot of the time for us believers, we don't worry about whether it's God or not. We just worry that maybe his wisdom will fail us. When he told Abraham, lay down Isaac. Abraham could have chosen to worry about whether this wisdom will fail or not. But he didn't have any problem about God being the Messiah, the Jehovah, the God of Israel. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So somebody may be here this morning. You're worrying. You're worrying. Perhaps you're on your Saturday. Focus on his promises. Don't second guess God's promises. Let his wisdom prevail. Let him have his way. And then you just see his peace visit you. Lift your right hand with me this morning. And I want you to just talk to him in your own words. Just talk to him in your own words. And let him know, Lord, I, I believe in your person. And I believe in your power. And I believe in your wisdom. And I believe your promises. And this belief will shape my hope. Make it elastic. It will shape my faith. That this Easter will not leave me the same. That through this belief, glory to Jesus. 
That truth is belief. Truth is belief. Something new will start in my life. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over that foul spirit. And I command you, let go of him. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just wave your hands to him and just talk to him this morning. Just talk to him this morning. Just talk to him this morning. Father, we thank you for your power that is at work in this place. We thank you for your power that is at work in this place. We thank you for your power that is at work in this place. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory, Jesus. 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 Somebody lift your right hand with me this morning. Lord, we engage your power today. And we break the hold of sicknesses. We break the hold of diseases. In the name of Jesus. We stand in the authority that is in the name of Jesus. We command you pain. Go in the name of Jesus. We break the hold of anxiety this morning. We command peace comes upon somebody's heart. Weeping may endure for a night. But scripture says in the morning comes joy. So I declare that morning, the morning of joy has come to you this Easter morning. In the name of Jesus. Whatever was overpowering. Whatever was limiting. I decree from this morning. That the power of God comes into that situation. For anyone here who may have lost hope. Lost hope concerning having a baby. Lost hope concerning a marriage. Lost hope concerning a business. Lost hope concerning a job. Anyone who may have lost hope concerning an organ in the body or any physical situation the same way Christ could not be held down in the grave I declare this morning that the resurrection power of Jesus find expression in every of those situations in the name of Jesus the grave there's anyone here who has been held down by the powers of hell Held down in sin. Held down. With occultic powers. I decree here this morning. That the hold of that power is broken over your destiny. And I command that you go free from today. In the precious name of Jesus. Thank you Father for destroying the power of habits here this morning. We thank you for the restoration of life. Over everyone. We give you glory and praise.